What's up? Hello. What up? It's a late night recording, so I feel like we're going to be wild in because that's what always happens. <laughs> so, this is uh, true. It is a, like it a, is a balmy a 10, 15 p.m. here a up warning. in the northeast. For the peeps. It's, it's only like nine. a slumber party. Yeah. You oh, know? my God. Yes. I Where cannot wait stay up to have and a we slumber tell party. Spooky stories. I try to make you so scared that you fart. <laughs> You guys, I, <laughs> I did that on purpose because I know there's someone out there that just hates, hates a fart. Yeah. And I know that there's someone out there that can fart on demand right now. Do it. Really? Do it. But no, y'all, really, I think this summer is our summer. I think we're going to get to go somewhere haunted for real. Yes. I think I, hope so. I believe in it. I believe in it. If we believe it, we can achieve it. I'm just saying to everyone listening put out the good vibes that we get to to take you guys on a haunted journey where we, you know, investigate a spooky spot. Mm-hmm. I, I'm envisioning it, and that means it's going to happen. I Manifest think, my destiny. I think so. Speaking of spooky spots, y'all, I went on an outing yesterday with my mediumship class to Ooh, Pioneer right. Farms, which... Um, there are several episodes of the night owl that you can listen to about their investigation there, Mm -hmm. man, what an action packed day. So much energy out there. So many spirits. I am still tired. Still tired. Do you have any, anything you want to share? Well, So the funniest part was that at one point I was standing there with three other girls in my class and we were uh, talking about this guy who was walking around like a cowboy in a purple shirt and we were all talking about him. And then later on, um, when we like came back together as our big group, our mentor was like, you know, what'd you guys pick up on out there? Blah, blah, blah. And she said something about, did anyone see the cowboy? And um, one of the girls that I had partnered up with was like, the only cowboy I saw was the one in the purple shirt. And she was like, yeah, Mm. that's exactly who I'm talking about. (laughs) And we were like, that wasn't a real person. (laughs) Everyone was like so shook. (laughs) Wow. Because like the majority of us saw him clear as day. So... Pretty. I wonder if he liked Prince. I don't know. It was like wild. But yeah, we picked up on a lot of stuff. It was really cool because like we all had, you know, notepads where we wrote stuff down and it wasn't like, you know, someone could be like, oh, yeah, I felt that, too. They're like, no, I have it right here. I wrote that yes. down also. <laughs> oh, that's so that was crazy. That was really cool. But um, yeah, there were tears. There was laughter. There was a lot. So it was a journey for everyone involved, but very validating for a lot of us. So it was a good trip, just very, very exhausting. I love it. Yeah, I love that for you. We love it. We love our outings. We have fun on them. So we do. Yeah. I got a little sunburned, stupid me, even though I put on so much sunscreen. It was hot. (laughs) It was. Hot this weekend. Yeah, it was a hot one. Luckily, we were out on like a huge like plot of acreage. So there was like a lot of breeze, no like buildings to really block it. Um, but oof, 
yeah, still very sunny, sunny, sunny. What an exciting She weekend. got her vitamin D3. Oh, good. She got yeah. the vitamin. Yeah. Good. We need it. Do you guys have anything spooky or exciting going on this weekend? I did visit a cemetery in Martindale. I saw a little pic. Yes, but it was just for such a brief time that, like, I didn't really get a feeling of anything but just peace. Yeah. You know, it was just very peaceful oh, there. That's good. And, you know. But it was an old cemetery, 1800s. It's also 1822. Ooh. I visited a little Lucy grave. It was oh. a little baby Lucy. Aww. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cemeteries... So a, a child left a little toy for her. Oh, it's very cute. That's that's like the perfect offering for for children's spirits. That's what they want. Yeah, that's what they're yeah. looking for. Toys, exactly. But yeah, toys and attention. I feel like cemeteries are always so peaceful because you know there aren't people don't typically pass away in a cemetery, so they're not like attached there. It's <laughs> normally like family True. members who are coming to visit them like those spirits mm-hmm. or like passers-by so they're usually like pretty calm and quiet and nice places to be that makes sense that's, yes. that's what i like to do i like to just sit at the cemetery and relax because it's quiet she relax <laughs> <laughs> she do the big relax yeah well good yeah. kylie i went to new york city this past weekend. And although I didn't seek out any haunted spots or tours, um, I did go to the Met, the Metropolitan. Uh, haunted. Hello, Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I mean, y'all know. She's haunted. One of the largest collections of, of all the art. So, you know, I didn't see or witness anything spooky, but you know, you know, that feeling some of us sometimes get when you go somewhere with a lot of old artifacts. Yeah. It's, it's a weight almost. Yeah. Definitely felt that. A little bit eerie in, in mm-hmm. certain segments. Um, but beautiful yeah. nonetheless. Hung out with some uh, Monet's. Uh, some mm. Renoir's. Classics. Lovely. The classics. Yeah. 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 I mean, New York in general, though, is extremely haunted. It's a very old city. But on top of that, you have, like, so many of their public parks used to be, like, potter's fields or like Mm -hmm. even actual cemeteries so there are bodies like that didn't get moved that are still under parks that people are just launching at and you know having their kids play at so it's very haunted pretty spooky spooky. so we all we all had a little bit of a a spooky weekend a ghoulish time ghoulish ghoulish well that Mm. that brings us to today we're going to get spooky. Oh, good. Who are we? But first off, we're the Golden Ghouls. Alyssa. Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. This week, we're switching it up. You're not getting any ghosts from us. You're getting UFO Uh sightings, baby. Yeah. We love to see it. You know, we we switch it up from time to time. I know Kylie's ready for this one. She loves her aliens. I am. I know Emily's Mm -hmm. on the alien train now, too. So. Love them. Here we go, baby. So I can. uh, You want me to start off? Yeah, do it. Yeah, let's get it started. Quick little one. So. this case is is known to be like the roswell of britain because it was one of the first large 
UFO sightings in terms of like media coverage. And it was also, you know, questioned the legitimacy of it was questioned Mm -hmm. later on. So some of you may have heard of this before. Some may have not. But it occurred in Rendlesham, Rendlesham. And uh, that is a forest in Suffolk, England. Um, And it separates um, two separate air bases. So Woodbridge and Bentwaters. So going back to December 26th, 1980, before all of us or any of us were born, (laughs) an airman, John Burroughs, was on security patrol at the Woodbridge Air Base uh, with his partner. And, you know, they're just shooting the shit, making patrolling, you know, got to catch them riding dirty. They saw an odd bright light coming from the forest, from the airbase. And so they contacted their supervisor from a nearby post, um, and that person could see it. And then another security uh, patrol officer also confirmed that he could see it. And so this is like basically a whole team that could see these lights. So they're like, okay, this isn't just like a mirage or I'm not like hallucinating. This is something weird and sketchy. So John and the team... Um, left the base to investigate and they left without weapons because they were technically like leaving American jurisdiction. Mm. So I, I should have also made note that these were like, um, this is an American airbase on English land. Okay. <clears throat> so they're walking into the Rendlesham forest and Rumor has it, they they can tell that there's like a weird, something weird is happening. All of the animals are, you know, being very loud. They're, they're not acting normal. It, and it's, you know, in the middle of the night, most of these animals should be asleep or the nocturnal ones at least shouldn't be like freaking out. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, something weird is happening. And then they receive a radio transmission from a tower in London uh, that an object had been seen over the base, but then it disappeared. So they're like, okay, there's someone else has seen this. And so they arrive to the site where they think the light is. There's like a bunch of blue strobe lights, like a disco. And they moved up through the trees and like into the horizon and then into the sky. And the the airmen said, you know, time felt really slow and they almost felt like they were like dissociating when these lights were moving um, up until when the lights vanished. So they felt like they felt very weird. Hmm. And then for the next two hours, they would see the lights and it would get closer to the horizon and towards them, but then it would disappear. It would, it would fly away. It would zoom off. So they're like, what the hell is this? So these events, which had never been at least documented before, you know, who knows if something like this had, had been seen before in this specific area, but um, this was basically like the best documented sighting in an American military history. So what's weird is that the American government and the British government, they would not comment on the incident. 
Um, so there were interviews with um, witnesses, um, including John Burroughs, about this night in particular. So later on, they went back to the site to try to find like physical evidence. And when they arrived, John said that there were like marks in the ground, like almost like impressions that something was there. And there were burn marks on the trees. What? Burning trees? Yeah. And so, so John brought a police officer like over to the area and was like, yo, look here, here, here's some physical evidence. What is this? And the police officer was like, "Mm, no, that's just like burrowing forest animals. Uh, The the forest animals were burning the trees. (laughs) Okay. They're they're lighting up and they're, some some splits. They're over there, wow. like rubbing some little sticks together, like right. <laughs> this is more than Snow White. Okay, you right? know, all right. And here's they're the crazier than we thought. They can do more than clean. <laughs> There's more of a twist. There's more of a twist. Okay. So these markings in the ground, these like shapes, these circle shapes. There, there were three of them, and they all measured an equal distance from one another that created a triangle. So like either these animals are acing geometry or they created a perfect circle. Yeah. These... A perfect triangle. Oh, but there's there circles, circles like, in, in the, the ground. Formation. You can think of, yeah, yeah like the circles, oh, okay. form, there were three circles. And then oh, okay. if you were to connect them with lines, it would be a perfect triangle. I see. So then there was another fella, Colonel Charles Halt. So he arrived at the Woodbridge security headquarters the next day and he was told about, you know, everything that had happened. And he was kind of skeptical at first. Um, but then he went out and saw the physical evidence and he he was like, we, there's no way to explain this. Like, it's definitely not animals. That same night, more lights were spotted. And so the dudes, they ordered some floodlights to be set up in the woods. So it's like 9.30 p.m. and Colonel Halt receives word that these floodlights, um, they're not working. They're like flashing on and off. They're not turning on. It almost seems like something's intercepting Mm. the electricity, Mm. which is something we've heard before. Um, So Colonel Halt was like, we're going out there and we're bringing a camera. (laughs) (laughs) So he brought out like a professional photographer, like, just happened to have one nearby and they went out and they um, tried to take some photos. Um, but uh, other military equipment were malfunctioning as well. So Colonel Halt then grabbed his men. They went to the woods armed and they brought a tape recorder and other equipment and they got instruments to like do readings on the trees. And then one of them noticed a red glowing object about a few hundred meters away. We had meters because we're in the, we're in Britain. (laughs) And it began like zigzagging (gasps) around the trees. What? And it was blinking. And so the guys moved towards it. They followed it. And then they found like a farmhouse that was glowing. What? And there's oh, a, shit. I know. And there's there's like a and it was on it was on fire. So it was glowing oh, no. it was on fire. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, God. Okay. So this this red light, this red glowing object 
began moving towards the farmhouse that was on fire. And then as it got closer, it broke up into like five separate white balls of light and then disappeared. Like it it disappeared. (laughs) You know, you know what I'm not going to do when I see a glowing red ball of light is follow it. I'm not going to do that. Why not? Not interested (laughs) in finding a house on fire. Well, I'm excited about this story, your story, Joe, because I can't wait to tell mine now. Yeah, right? What year was this again? Remind me. 1980. 1980. I got a few more facts. Tell but me. then, yes, but then, Emily, you should no, follow I just up. Had this to, very I just similar. had to, yeah. So the next day, Colonel Halt, he, like, played the, the audio tape and they wrote an incident report and they sent it off to British military authorities, but they... They didn't do anything with it, which, like, classic. Then, in 1983, three years later, a private citizen used the Freedom of Information Act to release it. Thank you. Thank you. But still. <laughs> applause. People weren't convinced. They were like, oh, it's a meteor shower. You know, they were imagining it. Blah, blah, blah. There but was, there was there was a yeah. total of 15 men to have seen the same thing. They have, you know, some primary sources like, can you really say that it wasn't, it wasn't real? Mm-hmm. So there are still a bunch of people who think that this is real, especially, especially Colonel Halt, <laughs> um, because this happened, you know, two different nights. They have evidence. This saddens me. In December 2018, David Clark, a British UFO researcher says or reported a claim that this whole incident was set up um, by the SAS, the Special Air Service, used in the British Army, to, like, <laughs> basically get revenge on the, on the U- United States Air Force. <laughs> so according to this claim, in August 1980 the SAS parachuted into Woodbridge to test the security at a nuclear site. The United States Air Force had recently upgraded their radar and detected the black parachutes of the um, SAS men as they descended to the base. And then the SAS troops were interrogated and beaten up. Oh, geez. And they were called, like, unidentified aliens. So to get revenge, um, the SAS basically like gave the United States Air Force like their own version of an alien event. And so they like rigged lights and colored flares and black helium balloons and remote controlled kites to carry suspended materials into the sky, activated by radio controls, blah, blah, blah. That sounds like a lot of work and like government <laughs> yeah, budget being used to like prank people. For like right? for pettiness. To play, yeah, for a prank. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> okay. And that was reported um, from the Telegraph in December of 2018. So believe what you will. But I don't know. The It sounds a bit too similar to other, you know, UFO sightings, especially yeah. like the red light and the, the speed in which the light traveled and the markings on the ground and the burn, yeah. burning marks in the trees. Like, 
a prank? I don't know. Yeah. And like the way these objects travel, you know, you got to pay specific attention to that because there's only so many ways things can fly that we, you know, know how to make them. That we know of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's also like, I feel like with all of these UFO stories, it's like there's so many witnesses and they're very quick Mm -hmm. to discredit them. I'm like, how did this many people see this thing? Like in my story, there are hundreds of people who saw it. Yeah. So, well, listen, I'm going to tell you why I believe because I know a straight person. Straight person. No, not like that. Like, (laughs) straight connection to a person who I believe is quite sane, you know, Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. says he saw one. Uh And that's my dad. So, yeah, he is straight, but that had no (laughs) relation to what I was, you know, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So She's got a straight I'm going to tell connection. Two, two stories now because I feel like it's important to tell dads oh, because yeah. it just sounds so similar to everybody else that's seen something. Mm. And again, he's my dad. So like. Why would he lie? Right. At and, this point in my life, dude. No, he's and not. And we heard her on the phone with him and he was like, I want you to get the facts straight. He did. Yeah. yeah, he he was like, "This is just he wasn't messing around for you to tell a story if you don't know the story." And I was yeah. like, "Okay, fine, I'll listen for a second, but I know it." <laughs> so you wanted to make sure you knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, here's my first one, and then I'll give you a little short one that I read online earlier today that I find fascinating, and I think I'm going to blow your mind with it because there's been a lot of <laughs> debunkers out there with this one, but I can tell you why they're probably wrong. We're ready, okay, but th- for the first one. My dad. So back when he was like a young lad, he was mm-hmm. out in the country with his friend Jeff, y'all. They were driving okay. around in his, in his Mustang, 1976, 77, around that Dang. time in Albuquerque. They were driving down this like, kind of like it was a country road, you know? So a lot of airspace. You can see a lot of sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> driving in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's this shining red dot in the sky. Stop it. Yeah, dude. He says it jet, it like jets right, like faster than he's ever seen anything. Almost like if you had a uh, what a laser pointer mm-hmm. pointed at a wall, you know, and you take it right. And then he said it just shot up left at an angle real fast mm. and disappeared. He looked at his that? friend, Jeff, who was driving the Mustang, and he goes, dude, did you see that? And he goes, that was weird. They never <laughs> talked about it ever again to each other because they were that traumatized. Well, also, That's like, so New Mexico is so known for, mm-hmm. like, UFO sightings, sightings. alien sightings. So yeah. they were right by Roswell. Yeah. <gasps> you know? So, I mean, I believe, I believe it. it. And he, the way he tells it, like how, and again, there's nothing in our, in our day and age now that can maneuver like that yeah. in the sky. So I feel you like tell me what that is. I feel like you know what is natural movement for like an aircraft and that is not it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the fact that these, I mean, they were like best buds and they only said that to each other and then they couldn't talk about it again because they just were like we're crazy you know but it wasn't until later on that my dad came to his senses and he was like aliens are 100 percent real (laughs) (laughs) yep yep that he started talking about it you know you gotta talk about it you have to so that relates a lot to kylie's story but my next one 
is a weird one that I had never heard about. And I don't think my ghouls had either. So I felt like it was necessary to tell. And then I started thinking about it a little more. And I'm like, hmm, this was, this was maybe an alien sighting hmm. from the outer space. So uh, has anybody out there heard of the Battle of Los Angeles? Not until today, baby. <laughs> Not until today. That's going to be my, the name of my album. Yeah. Battle of Big Los Angeles. Big things coming. Check out my SoundCloud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back in February 25 of 1942, an infamous false alarm sent American military into frantics. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Okay, so around this time, you know, that was around the same time as Pearl Harbor, right? It was like weeks after that. So very close time period where everybody like in America was like very on high alert. They were kind of flustered by the war, just thinking we were going to get attacked. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't under that much false pretense because there were sightings of a bunch of submarines off the coast of California that were, Hmm. you know, actually shooting at some of the oil rigs off the coast there. And so it was kind of dangerous. So there was reason that the military was alerting the coast of California to be like, be on high alert, you know? And so Pearl Harbor happens and everybody's really frantic. Well, come February 24th at that night, the military warned everybody, you know, like, look out we're going to, we might see an airstrike. So our, the the American military was guns ready. They were prepared. We're getting to the early hours of February 25th, like around like 2, 3 a.m. And I have to say, there's a lot of reports of California UFOs, even to this day, like around the sea there in the coast. They like to dive down into the water, you know, and check out, I don't know what we're doing to the ocean. I have no idea. But I hear that they they like to be off the coast there and they're seen a lot. And they're seen a lot around the early morning hours. Well, in 1942, military was ready. They were off the coast there. They said they see this, um, this flying object come over them. And some people said it looked like a fleet of planes that were like coming into California, like about to like, you know, strike, strike, I guess. Yeah. And so every, I, I, I'm just going off straight memory here, guys, but somebody said like, okay, like fight back. And they started just shooting up at the sky at this unidentified flying object that they thought was up there. After they, they put a blackout to California and Los Angeles, not California, Los Angeles got a blackout. And so People were, like, freaking out. All you could probably hear was, like, a bunch of gunfire and just smoke in the air and just a bunch of, you know. It was probably just so chaotic and crazy. Well, after the smoke cleared, nothing was there. Like, absolutely nothing was there. Pulverized. (laughs) Yeah. Some people claim that when there were shots fired, they could hear something being hit. Like, some people claim they couldn't hear anything. Uh, There's a bunch of claims out there about, like, what happened. But... Total, I mean, it it was crazy, but only five people died, which I find wild because of the blackout that just, you know, 
took out all the lights of Los Angeles in a sudden, like, instance because they thought they were being attacked. Yeah. So there were... <laughs> there were only and gunfire. Right. G- great combination. Just, like, that would... I feel like that would cause chaos. But yeah, there were absolutely. only five deaths, luckily. There were three car crashes. And um, two people died of a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, dang. Yeah. Crazy. But so they were shooting up at the sky at this object that they thought was up there, this huge, like, tank or a fleet of planes. I mean, a fleet of planes would be huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that they thought it was that and then there was nothing there, it was just kind of unexplainable. Like, everybody wanted to know what happened, you know, what's going on. A lot of people claim that it must have just been paranoia from Pearl Harbor, you know, Mm. (laughs) which... I don't know how you get that paranoid. I know they told him to be on high alert, right? Yeah. But so many people, so many military saw something in the air, right? Yeah. Other people claim that they were sending out weather balloons, and it might have been a weather balloon. But here's what I have to say to that. If it was a weather balloon, people were shooting up in the air. They would have shot it down, right? Yeah. And it would have been found. Yeah. Right? Guys, it obviously was a UFO. The Battle yeah. of Los Angeles was they were fighting the aliens off. I think so. Crazy. I just don't understand how they would be shooting, hearing it hit something, and nothing ever fell. They never found anything. Like, no. how? Right. And there was a bunch of just sharpnel and everything everywhere. Like, that it's they found caused it. a lot of danger. They found the remains, and they hit it just like Roswell. Probably. I just feel like it's, if it was something that was man-made that was up there, it would have been found in the Absolutely. sea. Absolutely. And if it was, you know, paranoia, then that many people wouldn't have made claims that there was something coming. We mm-hmm. need some mental health checks for all of Los Angeles. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor babies. My God. So that had to have been a UFO. Yeah. It and they attacked like it. it. Damn. I'm yeah. going to ask my friends in LA if they've ever heard this story. Yeah. Or I'll just tell I, them to listen to the I episode. I had never heard of it. Never and I was heard like, it. Battle of Los Angeles. I was like, what does a battle have to do with a UFO? And I was so curious. And Los Angeles. <laughs> I yeah. know, right? I was like, I have to know. I and, hope and I told it good enough. I was going you from did. straight memory, girl. I understood Ooh. what happened. Well, mine's a bit of a lengthy boy because there are so many people who saw it. But okay, there are a lot cool. of similarities in in this story and y'all's stories. So I'm very excited to share it. But these are the Stephenville UFO sightings in Stephenville, Texas. So oh. I actually used to go to Girl Scout camp in Stephenville. And the funniest Stop thing it. is there was this one like spot in the camp we used to always be so excited to go hang out on. We called it Mars because <laughs> it had like red clay and it looked like what you would imagine like the surface of Mars looks like when you're a kid and we would just be like sliding all over that place. And like, we were having the best time we would come back. We would be covered in red clay. My mom would always be so mad because they'd come home and like whatever I brought to camp would be ruined with the red clay, but it's out there. (laughs) All right. We're going to go back in time a bit to January 8th of 2008. That evening at sunset, more than 30 residents of Stephenville and even more in surrounding areas saw a UFO that they described as being a mile wide, silent, 
covered in bright lights and flying low and fast. Mile, mile wide. wide. She thick. Yeah, she that, big. That's a long one. So I read this article from Popular Mechanics magazine that like went super into depth because they interviewed so many people from Stephenville and surrounding areas. It's got a lot of good information if anyone wants more info. But they headed to Stephenville in 2009 to interview witnesses. And like I said, there was a lot that the people had to say about the incident. So one of the people that the article focuses on is this guy named Steve Allen. And he said it was the most beautiful sunset I'd ever seen. So at the time he was sitting around a fire outside of um, his friend Mike Odom's home in Selden, Texas. And these guys had been buddies since first grade. So there's they're having a good old time around the fire, you know, mm-hmm. as best buds do. That's when he saw the lights, orbs that glowed at first and then began to flash. He said, quote, there was no regular pattern to the flashing. They lined up horizontally, seven of them, then changed into an arch formation. They li- Then they lined up vertically, and I saw two rectangles of bright flame. That's when I knew it was a life-changing experience. Mm. Then he watched the lights drift north towards Stephenville. Then he said the lights came back a few minutes later, this time followed by two jets, F-16s, I think. So Alan actually owns and flies a Cessna and has seen a lot of military planes in his day. So he like knew the difference between, you know, military aircraft and what he was seeing. Hmm. And he said the jets looked like they were chasing the lights and the light seemed to be toying with them. It was like a 100 horsepower car trying to keep up with a hundred thousand or a 1000 horsepower car. What? So, like, the jets could not catch up to whatever these lights were. And those jets are fast. (laughs) Right. So his friend, Mike Odom, also saw the lights, and he called his wife Claudette out, who actually came and was able to see the lights the second time around. So that's just three people in this one household who have seen them. When Alan got home, he phoned his friends at the local airport who checked with the Fort Worth airport tower Both of them said nothing was scheduled to be flying at that time. Then that same Mm -hmm. night, James Hughes, who was a former Air Force navigation specialist, was in downtown Stephenville, and he was saying bye to some friends after a little evening out. And he said, out of the corner of my eye, I saw two red orbs moving overhead, the reddest things I'd ever seen in the sky. They came right in front of me at 2,000 feet, about half a mile away. Dang, the, the they weren't going that his fast. Sight. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't <laughs> going that fast, maybe 60 miles per hour. They didn't make any noise, which is like okay. unsettling yep. to me. Mm-hmm. So now we're outside of Dublin, which is the former home of my old friend, Dublin Dr. Pepper, which any Texans or anyone who's ever had a Dublin Dr. Pepper, may she rest in peace. We miss her ever so. That was the good stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, Dublin's about 15 miles southwest of Stephenville. And this gentleman, Constable Leroy Gayton, was heading out to his patrol car to get his wallet when he saw the lights. He said, first, I saw a yellow-red orb, the color of lava in a volcano. 
Then instead of the red orbs, there were nine or 10 flashing lights, maybe 3000 feet in the air, bouncing and very bright. They hovered there strobing for two or three minutes, bright like German auto headlights. Then they shot off at a blazing speed, like a school of fish, you know, (laughs) when it's frightened later, two jets flew over. So like he also (laughs) saw these lights and then he saw these jets. Wait, a German Mm. auto headlight. German German auto. Is that a car? I I you know I love that. Is it a car? I don't know if German headlights have are brighter. Maybe (laughs) if that's they're just more aggressive. And he's like, those are the those are the headlights that are top tier. It's so (laughs) funny though because all of these people are like so specific, but they're all very well versed in these things. Like they know what they're talking about because they've been in military law enforcement like they know what's up so the next day alan called angelia joiner who was a reporter at the stephenville empire tribune and he shared his story and joiner went on to publish a piece called a possible ufo sighting on january 10th it was only the first of numerous articles that she wrote about the lights On January 11th, Joyner called Major Carl Lewis, who was a public airs officer of the 301st Fighter Wing at the Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base in Fort Worth. And Lewis said the base had nothing flying the night of the sightings. Other nearby bases also issued similar denial statements that they had nothing flying that night. So like... These people are really covering all the bases, finding out what could have been flying that light that night, and they're yeah. getting denials left and right. There was nothing. This is what I appreciate, an investigation. Yes, you know? and there was a very thorough investigation of Grab this. your receipts, I'll believe. Have it ready, you know? Yeah. Right. So the Stephenville sightings had all the elements of a classic UFO incident. There were the first reports, the denials that got, you know, put out there. Witnesses stepping forward Um, and this little Texas dairy town of 17,000 residents joined Roswell and Area 51 and other iconic like UFO sites of the world. Dang. Then we have the Mutual UFO Network, otherwise known as MUFON. Um, And we love them. Yeah, they had gotten so many reports about the Stephenville lights that this Colorado-based group set up an open hearing in nearby Dublin. So on January 19th, 2008, around 500 people headed to the local Rotary Club for this hearing. Some people were just curious, but more than 200 people came forward to tell their stories of seeing the lights in these aircrafts. Um, and some even had stories dating back 30 years. So they had been seeing it for a while. MUFON investigators considered only about 20 reports to be substantive and, or subs, I never say that word right. Anyway, <laughs> we're moving on, um, and relevant to the January 8th incident, but they promised to publish a report. So like out of 200, they were like, most of you are full of shit, but yeah. Oh. I don't believe that. No. So on January 23rd, 12 days after denying it had planes in the air, the military reversed its statement. Mm. So according to a very carefully worded press release issued by Air Force Reserve Command Public Affairs, 
goodness gracious. <laughs> they said 10 F-16s from the 457th Fighter Squadron were performing training operations from 6 to 8 p.m. on January 8th in the Brownwood Military Operations Area, which includes the airspace above Erith County, which is where Stevensville and all these other little cities were. Hmm. They also stated that it was an internal communications problem that had now been fixed. Interesting. Uh Right, right. Mm -hmm. So mind you, the military also changed its story about Roswell numerous times after 1947 when Air Force officials first claimed to have captured a flying saucer and then denied it. Very interesting, if you ask me. Like, they checked in with so many Air Force bases, airports, who all said no, and now they're changing their mind. Ugh, all right. You know, so, we just should not be kept in the dark. I know. We're I living agree. out here with deadly diseases. We are. So My response is, right, right, what's right. all this then? Yeah. <laughs> you know? You didn't see what you saw. You know, so mid-February rolls around and the Empire Tribune had lost interest in the Stephenville lights. But um, Angelia Joyner, who had been writing about it, left the paper because she was like, this isn't over. And she started a website about the sightings, which were funded by Alan. Um, And the Dublin Citizen actually continued to pursue this story. So the publisher of the Dublin Citizen, Mac McKinnon, who is also a former Air Force historian, saw curious lights in January as well. He said, I believe the military has all sorts of exotic propulsion systems and other technologies we don't even know about. Um, So he wanted to look into this further. He assigned the story to this reporter, John Aubrey, who also saw the lights. And Aubrey said that he saw a triangle with squares at the corners um, when, when he saw the lights. So Aubrey actually spoke to the Dublin police chief, Lanny Lee, who shared that two of his men had taped one of the lights using the dashboard cam in their patrol car, but he hadn't shared it widely because he didn't want the department to gain notoriety for the tape and like be seen as, you know, like, you know, full of crap. Basically, he didn't want it to seem like his department was like spreading lies. But um, they were able to view the tape and there's this dot that appears against this pitch black sky and it starts to dance and the camera zooms in on this shimmering, bouncing, but otherwise featureless circle of light. And it goes on like that for an hour. That's a no from me. It's a no from me. Who is she? The tiny dancer. Yes, she is. Exactly. Yeah. The reports from January reminded another Dublin resident, Ricky Sorrells, of a huge object he said he saw in December when he was hunting. So people, like like I said, they've been seeing these for years, but around this certain time period, people were seeing it often. And he said, I looked at it through the scope on my rifle. It was a huge gray object, the color of galvanized metal with no rivets, bolts, or seams. It was about a mm. hundred feet tall and about 300 feet up in the air. Mm. So people are seeing like various objects of differing sizes and they're big boys. 
it was only the first of several sightings for Sorrels. He captured one of them on his flip phone, which we know flip phones and their quality. So the video <laughs> shows a barely discernible white shape moving through the sky, but they said it did move like unnaturally, didn't look like any aircraft. Hmm. Okay. After its Dublin open hearing, MUFON filed Freedom of Information Act requests with the military branches and other government agencies, and only the Federal Aviation Administration and the Naf- National Weather Service acknowledged that they had any relevant information and forwarded their radar data onto them. So fast forward to July, the group finally releases its report, which suggests that several fighters as well as airborne warning and control system planes were in the area. But so they claim um, was also a large mysterious object without the required transponder that identifies and locates an aircraft. So basically they did acknowledge that something was there that they could not identify. Okay, so a UFO. Yeah, they reported that it was tracked on radar for over an hour. And most of the time, the object was either stationary or moving at speeds of less than 60 miles per hour. They said at 7.32 p.m., the object was tracked accelerating to 532 miles per hour in 30 seconds and then slowing to 49 miles per hour only 10 seconds later. Yeah. How does that happen? Flying at 40 miles per hour. Yeah. In the casual. fall, the sightings Just a began. Stroll in the sky. <laughs> it, you know, they ran and then they really crawled. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the fall, the sightings began again, and witnesses were not afraid to share their stories because this had been going on for so long openly. And their descriptions often compared the lights to arc welding or burning magnesium. Right. So in the night of November 18th, Peggy Delaverne saw the lights while driving her kids home to Stephenville after a basketball game in Dublin. And she said, at first there were two very bright gold lights. Then there were more lights, like a string of pearls, not quite a circle and not quite egg shaped. My husband was in another vehicle and he saw them too. He called me on his cell phone and asked, do you see that? I don't know whether it was from somewhere else or from the military, but something is going on out there. Then there was a high school student named Carly Crutcher who shot a photo of the lights that they ran in the Dublin Citizen, which shows like streaky, stringy forms of light in the sky. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. So whether these Texas sightings were like flight exercise or flares or tests of, you know, an existing plane or a new plane, some sort of military activity, we're probably not going to get explanations for a while. It's well known that there are secret programs to keep UFO sightings hush hush. Um, but the military secrecy, it really exasperates the Stephenville locals because they feel like they're, you know, being gaslit, basically. They feel like right. they're being told, like, you didn't see what you saw. Um, and one of the residents, James Hughes, who we talked about earlier, went on to say, it's been 30 years since I was in the Air Force but I don't understand why they wouldn't come out and tell the truth. If they have the capability of putting on a show like that, all they mm-hmm. have to do is tell us. We'd get out our lawn chairs and watch. 
And he went on to say, I didn't call them flying saucers or extraterrestrials. All I said was that it was unidentified flying objects. And I'm sticking to that. I couldn't identify them. He also said that the people in Aerith County aren't nuts or hicks. He said, quote, we are just ordinary people who happen to look up. And there you have it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So they like have so many reports in that area. It's cray. It's cray. It's crazy. It is. Bottom line, stop trying to hide what happened. All right. Tell us the truth. I mean, I feel like they have just by being, I mean, they have, right? Because they're like, yeah, we've seen stuff that we don't know what it is. But at the same time, I'm like, just come out and be like, yes, there is something going on. There's another party out here that we haven't been able to meet and, you know, RSVP to. (laughs) They, you know, uh, can we, maybe we can't handle it. I don't know. At we this can. Point, I feel like we can. I but. feel like we can handle anything now. Yeah. I think you know, so. A wise man once said, the truth is out there. It is. <gasps> All around us. Just open your eyes. Just open your eyes and look up, you know? Cue the X-Files theme <laughs> there song. You go. Yeah, we'll get the um we'll get the rights to that for sure. <laughs> you can play six seconds of it. <laughs> Oh, wow, guys. I am. I'm going to dream about aliens tonight. I'll tell you that. I already know it. I can feel it in my bones. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hope they intercept all my electronic devices tonight. (laughs) Why isn't my phone charged? Why they didn't come in this time, you know? I don't know. To my mic. I know. Yeah, Emily has a little alien friend who visits from time to time when we're recording. Every once in a while. He likes to say hello. Right. Whew. Well, that was fun. Bedtime for me. Yeah, bedtime for all of us, probably. Um, mm-hmm. We have a new ghoul talk coming soon, so send us those stories to the Golden yes. Ghouls podcast at gmail.com. People, you know, you guys are always commenting, hey, I have this story, I have it. Okay, send it. Send it, send it. Don't talk it. about it, be about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't feel like typing it up, send us just re- use the uh, voice memo. Rec- yeah, use the voice memo on your phone, record it, and just email the recording. Yeah. Yes. So if easy. it's a long one, totally do that. We are down. We've done it before. We've played them before. We'll do it again. We're not afraid. We love it. All right. Until next time, stay spooky. Ooh. Beep boop, beep boop, boop. Oh, 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 oh,